Hi, I'm Bruce Weinstein. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And what are we making today as the mixer goes round and round? We are making white bread. Uh, we are. You know what? White bread is, uh, what? It's a bad-named product. Well, there's know. a lot of bad white bread out there, <laughs> and it's given white bread a bad rap. I grew up in Dallas, and not too far from our house was the Mrs. Baird's factory it's like wonder bread it's like a thing that was made in dallas and i tell you we would drive past there we drive down toward there like go to lunch or you know i don't know what go to the doctor's office or whatever and you could smell the yeasty bread for five million miles it probably smells great it did smell great we had the same thing in new york and and even greater wait let me finish and even greater was the way you could take a slice and mush it down (laughs) to like a (laughs) tablespoon And swallow it like a lozenge. Well, back when I was a kid, Long Island City, right across the river from New York, had nothing. It, it had the Silver Cup Bread Bakery. Well, clearly it had is, something. Well, now it's the Silver Cup Studios, and they film movies there. Oh, but we wow. would drive into my grandmother's for dinner almost every Friday night, and going down the Long Island Expressway towards the tunnel, you would smell this amazing bread. And it's, it's, and it's called white bread, and so I just want it to be known right now. That, that it is not just a southern thing to have made this bread in the no. United States. It was being made in New York City, so I just don't want to be accused of being a <laughs> southerner in this podcast. Yeah, that, all that stuff we call whipped yeah. bread. Well, we do too. Whipped yeah. bread. And it even said in the package, whipped for extra lightness. I yeah, don't know yeah. what. How do you whip dough? Well, well, I don't actually know what they did to <laughs> it, but what it ended up being was super, what, glutinous so that you could just. Mostly it tasted like down. cake. Well, it was very sweet. Very sweet. It is very you sweet. You need a little sugar in most breads to get the yeast going, but you don't need like two cups of sugar, which the, yeah, my guess the, is the what they The yeast has to eat something in order to fart and, <laughs> and make the carbon dioxide. <laughs> Basically, bread is just yeast farts oh. with gluten. Excellent. <laughs> nice. So that, that is a... That is truly a new low. That should be the bread. title of a new bread book, Yeast Farts. Yeast Farts with Gluten. <laughs> it would sell a million copies. I know it would. So in <laughs> our book, The Ultimate Cookbook, 900 Recipes, which was endorsed by Bette Midler, by the way. If you look at the cover, we had <laughs> That's a, a long story. We're not even going to go there. from Miss Midler. Yeah, we met um, her, and it's a long story. But anyway, as a Bette Midler story ought to be, it's long. <laughs> so we have a recipe for a killer, killer white bread which is not anything like those whipped breads we had as kids. No, it's not. This is this is like actually. Now I'm going to be really serious now. Oh, very serious. I'm going to be serious and say this is like the white bread my grandmother made. This well, your is, grandmother was a professional baker. Exactly. And this was the the kind of white bread she made and it bore no resemblance to whipped bread. No, it's denser. It's it's lightly sweet. It's not that cakey sweet. And my mother didn't make so much bread when I was a kid. But it became this thing that she would buy. And I don't know if you remember these things. She would buy the frozen bread that you actually thawed and let rise and then baked in the oven. So it was like a bread recipe, you know, cut down to just when the bread's ready for its second rise and then you, it would be frozen. And Spoilers, you, we have a recipe for that in an upcoming book next year. We do. And then you would you would defrost the, lo- the thing in a loaf pan yeah. and let it rise and then you would bake it. And she would make bread like that, my mother would. But my grandmother would make it all from scratch. But that was, all I'm saying is all of that is what this white bread was like. This bread is richer. It has a great crumb. It's not sweet. It's not, not, terribly, not sweet. terribly sweet. And it, what's really great about it, too, is 
is it lasts for a couple of days without turning stale. Well, that's right. And that's because of the density of the bread, the moisture content of the bread. And because we add melted butter, there's a little fat in it. You know, all these things help it to stay. And honestly, uh, it'll stay a good two days. You know, yeah, I take it, when we're done with this, I always take it and wrap it in a kitchen towel and put it to the side on the counter. And it'll stay out on the counter for two days. And it freezes wrapped up and it'll freeze it beautifully and it makes the most amazing french toast you have ever oh, I, I made french had. toast for bruce's cousins out of this very loaf about oh what a couple weeks ago yeah. and really honestly it was the best french toast i've ever had so let's talk about what's in this dough in the mixer okay. that's going round and round and round because it's coming to its end so. it is so so what we did is we started by putting three tablespoons of sugar and two quarter ounce packets of dry yeast. So that's three tablespoons of sugar, two of the packets of dry yeast. Let me just stop you right there and say about the dry yeast, we'll come back to that in just a second, but let me just say right now, we're not talking a measurement, we're talking two quarter ounce packets, and those quarter ounce packets range in volume amount from about one and a quarter teaspoons to one and a half teaspoons. So we're not giving a volume amount here. Just make sure you get two quarter ounce packets of dry yeast. And to that, we mix them with one cup of lukewarm milk. And lukewarm meaning the warm to your touch, about 105. You want to make sure it's under 110 degrees or it'll kill the damn yeast. How do you lukewarm it? Um, I put it in the microwave for like 15 seconds, and I stuck my finger in it, and it barely felt a little warmer than room temperature, so I thought that was perfect. Right, but, you know, I, listen, I would always use an instant read meat thermometer. Cleaned off, cleaned off, cleaned off. You don't want pork in your bread. Clean it off before you put it away, and that way you don't have to worry about cleaning it off before you use it. Whatever, cleaned off, no pork in bread. And I would take its temperature because I want to be really accurate, but as Bruce says, don't go up over 110. You're looking for a 100, 105 right in there. If it gets too hot, you can set it aside at room temperature until it's Then ready. we set it aside so it got a little foamy. We knew the yeast was alive and active. Now, there is something called instant yeast, which claims you don't have to proof it first. You can put it right in your dough. Right. I have used it, and I love it. But it often takes a little longer for the dough to rise because it has to sort of activate itself as it's going. And even when I use instant yeast... I actually still dissolve it and let it sit because so I think it works better. Could you use instant yeast yep, in this can use So we're talking about active dry yeast or, or active in- or active dry instant yeast. Or active dry instant yeast. That's yep. what we're talking about here. So once that has proofed, in other words, what we're looking for is for the yeast to get foamy. The mixture gets a lot of foam on top of it and that stuff. Then we're going to add one and a quarter cups of lukewarm water. Same thing, yep. 100, 105 degrees. Three tablespoons of melted and cooled butter. It's really important to cool it because if the butter's too hot, it'll shock the yeast. So melt it early on. Shocked. Shocked. Shocking yeast. And a tablespoon of salt. And that may seem a lot, but we're making two loaves. Right? Yeah, we are. But still, I love salt in bread. Isn't You once told me something about the Commedia and bread. Oh, the Commedia. You mean Dante. Oh, Dante yeah, yeah. Alighieri. Dante Alighieri. Um, yeah, when Dante's in exile, uh, well, later, uh, how do I say this? In, in the Divine Comedy, late in the Paradiso, a re- he meets a relative up in heaven, Cacciaguida. And Cacciaguida prophesies Dante's exile. Dante is exiled from his home from, for most of his adult life and lives on the run from Tuscan thugs. That home being Florence. The home being Florence. And he lives on the run, uh, running from Tuscan thugs and papal thugs. And um, the, what Cacciaguida says is that in, uh, in exile, he will climb another man's stairs, which is so evocative that you don't live in your own house. 
that he will climb another man's stairs, and that he will eat bread with salt. And it's thought that Tuscans, even back then, did not salt their bread. Another s- thing wrong with the Italians. <laughs> no, just the Tuscans. Just the Tuscans. And that other Lombard, you know, people in Lombardy, people in other regions added salt to bread. And so Dante had to learn to accept the taste of salt in bread because he was going to well, live in something exile. something good came out of his exile. Uh, he learned to have salt dude, with bread. Dude, Dante's a tragedy. So oh. even though he's in heaven with his, re- with his relative, it's a tragedy. So it's supposed so, to be sad, but you're right. So we added the salt. We I like the salt butter. and bread, too. Then we put the dough hook on the machine, and we put seven cups of all-purpose flour all right purpose. into that. This is really crucial to the recipe. This recipe is developed not for bread right. flour, but for all-purpose flour. Yep. It's, it's a really standard mainstay flour yep. bread recipe. We put the mixer on. It started to bring the liquid and the flour together. It made the dough. The dough was a little sticky, so I kept adding flour a few tablespoons at a time. I probably used about seven and a half to seven and two-thirds cup total. And this dough just went around and around and around. It's looking really good. We give a timing, but if you've ever watched the Great British Baking Show, you know they do something. They all do it with their dough when they're making breads. The window pane test. They take a little piece of dough in their hands, and they stretch it up in front of a window. And when it gets thin enough that you could see shadows through it without breaking, you know the gluten is well Well, they used to say in the old days, back when I was coming up, you know, no, when I was first... We're going to go back to the South again. No, no, no. About uh, when I was first writing recipes, the cliche was that the dough should feel and be as soft as a baby's bottom. But I actually think that modern pedophilia has... <laughs> Put an end to this recipe what cliche. What about impetigo and diaper oh, rash? Shush, impetigo. <laughs> God. So <laughs> it, it needs to have a smooth texture that springs back when you dimple it with your fingers, right? You want to dimple it yeah. and it springs back and has an overall smoothness yeah. to it. And this is why a KitchenAid or a stand mixer with a dough hook is so easy for this. It is because you could cut down the time you're needing. Um, so turned off the mixer and I've taken the bowl off. And I'm just lightly oiling the dough and turning it over so that it won't stick to the bowl. Now, a lot of people use a second bowl here. You can, but if your first bowl has been cleaned up well you by the, the bowl kneading of the dough, stand yep, mixer. you can use that easily. We're going to cover that. I like to cover it with plastic wrap and a towel. A towel is great, but plastic wrap will actually help keep the greenhouse effect going so it stays warmer in there <laughs> for the yeast farts that are having all that carbon dioxide that's going to go on in there so let's just talk about what's going to happen next so the dough is going to proof what does that mean it's going to rise it means the yeast is going to eat the sugar the yeast is going to give off carbon dioxide and the dough is going to about double in size which will take about two hours and then after that we're going to take it out of the bowl yep. dump it out on a cutting yep. board we're going to deflate it dumping it out basically deflates it does it. but you want to press it down and get all the air out a of it. little bit and then you're going to divide it into two equal pieces you're going to get crazy you can measure the kitchen scale really you can eyeball it this is eyeballing territory yep. here so and then what? Roll each piece into about a twelve-inch log under your under your hands, under your cleaned and dried palms. You as probably we say. shouldn't need to flour them, but if you if it's sticking, you can use a little flour and then fold the ends over to meet each other. Roll it out again, and to a nine-inch log, and then just put that in a well-buttered loaf pan or oiled, yeah. depending on what you want. But it and can, then it's people, a, we already put butter in the in the bread, so right. why not put butter in the pan? Oh sure. Uh, well, you know, honestly. 
uh, now I'm going to take a page from your book and say it's easiest to just spray the pan with nonstick spray. If you're going to do that, use nonstick baking spray to make sure your bread doesn't stick. Okay, but y- you can butter it too. So yep. then you're gonna, we're going to cover this and we're going to put it aside to rise for another... It takes about 45 minutes 45 this time. minutes. But right. we're going to do it twice because you have two pieces. You do it with both pieces. So And we're going to heat the oven up to 400 degrees. And after it's risen again, we're going to shove them in and bake them for about 30 minutes. We know they're done when they're very well browned, they're puffed up, and when we tap them, they sound hollow. Okay, one last thing before we break. I want to just talk about rising for a minute. I mean, you do it the cheat way. The easy way is that we have a proof feature on our oven Mm -hmm. that takes it to 100 degrees, Mm -hmm. and then we can put the bread in there. I can't do it while the oven's preheating. No, you can't, but that's a good way. But in both rises, that's a good way to to, to make it rise. But but what happens if you don't have a proof Then do what you've seen them do on the Great British Baking Show. You take a big garbage bag, and you put the loaves in there, and you blow into it so it fills up with air, and then you tie a knot. So you've got this big balloon on your counter filled with air, and your loaves in the loaf pans, right. and then it'll start creating a warmer environment as the yeast do their stuff. That's right, and it's really the reason. Part of the reason that that's really important is that although the old cookbook standard was put the bread in a what a warm, draft-free place, warm is important, but more important is draft-free, yeah. and that's why that helps that uh, seal off any the draft <laughs> errant will, wind. Yeah, the draft will dry out the surface and I'll, it'll inhibit it from rising and you right. want it as a beautiful crust. So when we come back, we will have done all that with this beautiful dough. We will have shaped it. We will have baked it. And then we're going to do a taste test. So our bread has baked. The house smells better than the Long Island Expressway did. And let me just say, let me just pause here for a minute and put a plug in for my own podcast. Because I have a podcast called Lyric Life that is all about lyric poetry. And I have a poem up on that podcast called Matins by Ruth Bavetta. And it's all about a poem about making bread. So check that out. The the house smells like Ruth Bavetta's poem. If I'm that- glad it doesn't smell like Ruth Bavetta. <laughs> Well, you don't know. We don't <laughs> Maybe know. Maybe she smells like bread. Maybe she does. So there you go. Let I had up. an art director once who worked for me who smelled like bread, but that's another story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's because he had a yeast infection or something. Yeah, his uh, feet. It was really not uh, What? Stop. But... His feet were farting yeast. <laughs> anyway, I'm cutting this loaf because we have to taste it, and I'm not even going to do butter because I just want... No, no, I no. just well, want to taste it. you can this. put butter on it, but you know when it's warm like this? Mmm. It's so good. What is it? There's nothing about bread that I don't like. Why is it so? Nothing you know, about the old bread thing I don't about like. the staff of life and all that stuff. It's not really the staff of life, but it's just so comforting. There's something so. There's a reason why the Jewish prayer before you eat is about bread. When you say Jewish grace, as it were, your Hebrew prayer is thanking God for making bread. Do it. Thank you for the bread. Yeah, exactly. And it, because it's so, I mean, there's so many factors that can go into the failure of bread, I oh. think. I think that's part well, of it, right? Bad yeast is the number one. Well, bad wheat, but I just mean, even starting in the fields, the wheat can rot out. You can have a bad crop. It's dependent. Locust. Right. It's dependent <laughs> on environmental factors. And then when you get it in the kitchen, it's temperamental. Yeast cannot work. It won't rise properly. It overbakes. It overrises. But this, we we had somebody comment on Facebook a while back, which got us into making this bread again. They were making this bread from the Ultimate Cookbook, mm-hmm. and they were they had posted pictures on Facebook about how 
wonderful it turned out. And really, because it's... It's a fail-safe recipe. It's it always works. dirty, and it's simple. All-purpose mm-hmm. flour, salt, a little butter, a little sugar, water. I mean, it's, it's a very sturdy down-home mm-hmm. recipe. It's not fancy artisanal baking. I'm still in. I just can't stop. It's, it's... What is it about bread? I don't know. Listen to Cooking with Bruce and Mark every week for more fabulous recipes. We'll cook through them. We'll talk about them. We'll give you tips and hints every week. Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And you know what? You can catch us on more than one platform. We're on iTunes. You can go out to iHeartRadio and we're there. You can go to Stitcher, the radio aggregator, and we're there. You can catch us in lots of places. And we'd love to catch you and have you back with us every time we do this. 